This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Back on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that everybody in your company should either be pointed at customer value or pointed at the door. Today, I am thrilled to have an old friend, Steve Sundberg, uh, CEO of MedTorp. Steve, welcome. Hey, Mark. How are you doing, man? Good to yep. talk to you. Man, is it great to have you. Um, that's your, your current role. I, we've known each other through several of your roles and several of the companies that you've owned and know are managed. Um, and I wanted to talk about maybe not just this role, but kind of going on the span of, of your entire work experience and how important you have found it to point everybody in the customer. You know, you and I have, we've actually, I've sat with your team at MedTorks and talked about the, the customer value. So I know that you value that, but give me your perspective on how and why that's important. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's critical uh, today, you know, so much of, service business to business expectations are really set by the business to consumer uh, things you know uh, you and I have a friend that used to say I can get lunch at McDonald's in 60 seconds therefore uh, all my customers expect I'm going to respond to them you know instantaneously and um, I think that's that level of expectation today but it wasn't it wasn't always that case and I think you know, you can, whether whether your enterprise is focused that way or not, you as an individual that's out selling really needs to have that mindset. I, I fell into it. I tripped over it. Um, my, my first, I'll say, professional selling job was for uh, a large connector company, AMP. Um, I think they're Tyco Electronics or TE Connectivity now, but, you know, back in the late 70s, um, I had, the, <laughs> being, being the rookie, I had North Dakota, South Dakota, Northern Minnesota is my territory. So, you know, that's a little bit like selling out in the desert, right? And what I found is, number one, just showing up you know, they customers were always surprised that I would show up on a routine uh, basis that I was routinely, you know, in the far reaches of Mandan, North Dakota and uh, Fargo, North Dakota. And they, they just were surprised that a salesman continued to do that. 
And one of the things that um, happened was I was at a customer in Bismarck and he asked me, he said, you know, I've been looking for this particular um, component and I just can't find it anywhere. And it wasn't something that my company sold or, or had. But when I got back to, to Fargo, I was based outside of uh, Fargo at the time. I went to one of the local uh, wholesale distributors and found the part for him and just sent it to him. I bought it and sent it to him with a note that said, hey, I think this is what you're looking for. You know, uh, let, let me know if it works. And he was uh, blown away that I took the effort to do that. And it just seemed like a simple thing, right? And every time I was out there, he would tell anybody in the office that was around that story. When I went to Gore, I had the uh, privilege of, of managing Bell Labs, our Bell Labs account um, in the Chicago area. Bell Labs was, you know, would do the designs, right? And then they'd be manufactured uh, by one of the, their manufacturing operations uh, somewhere else in the country. So my job was to get the design wins and work with these Bell Labs engineers who, you know, what a national treasure Bell Labs was for, for America technology. And um, I, I kept that same mindset. Engineer would ask me for something. And if it was, you know, I, if it was something that we didn't provide, I would still take the time to do some research and, and hook him up because, you know, we knew all the salesmen from the competitors, right. That were going into the same lobby. So the, the, that customer focus, what happened was I became known as the guy, their, their first call for any interconnect, um, whether it was something Gore provided or not, they would call me. And that I think allowed us to get, uh, deeper into applications and have the opportunity to have discussions about um, solutions. And, and, you know, so maybe the value was delivered through the product, of course, but I think it was established with this mindset that we're focused on the customer. Focused on the customer, focused on the customer's outcome and being the resource. Um, Right. That's, you know, that's what we brought. Right. And, and as, as I moved away from being a single contributor to leading teams, um, you and I worked uh, frequently, you supported the team that I was a team leader of in Dallas. And, you know, those guys, that was a great, that was a great experience, Mark, because that team was, uh, we were a bunch of young guys. It was my first leadership position, you know? And so they, uh, they spent as much time teaching me how to be a good leader as I did leading them. But we did something every Monday morning where we would sit down and do opportunity reviews and come around the table and focus on the opportunity 
uh, that uh, that salesperson was really, you know, or opportunities, plural, that they were driving that week. And it wasn't a forum where they were reporting to me as a boss about, you know, all the good things they were doing. The intent of this was for us to sit around the table uh, on Monday mornings and review these opportunities and really dig into helping each other establish uh, value propositions, establish, um, you know, let them think out loud. It was a safe place to, to if you will, to test uh, concepts. And, and all of that was focused on what was it that the customer was really trying to achieve? And then what was the best way for us to line that up, right? And so it's this concept of bringing uh, a solution of one rather than selling what's in your bag. And I, I think that's um, you know, maybe sounds trite, but that's the crux of what I really try and preach internally is that even within opportunities at the same customer, the solution needs to be so focused and so customized to what that person uh, or that team now, right? It's very seldom one person at the customer, what that team's trying to achieve. It might be the same solution, you know, across applications, but it's how you position it and how you talk about it that matters. Yeah, man, there's so much to unpack there. Um, the opportunity review isn't how are we going to sell, but it's what is the customer's world, what is their problem, and what are they trying to accomplish? And does anybody have any ideas? Has anybody else solved the problem like what this? What are the questions that we that we still need answers to? You know, <laughs> it's that it's that chance for the for uh, kind of peer review for people to say and think, well, if I was in that situation or if that was my account, here, here are the questions I'd be asking, right? Um, I've sat through a lot of um, opportunity reviews and funnel reviews with a lot of people in the decades since we worked through that. And the mindset that you fostered in those, mind, in those opportunity reviews is very different. And typically it's what steps of our process have we done to the customer? What steps of our process do we still have to do at the customer? And how soon do you think they're going to buy from us what's in our bag? And I learned the same lessons that you did from those early years. And it's, uh, it's about the fact that business is really conducted between you know my business is really conducted between my customers ears yeah absolutely and yeah. and it it really helps and you know one of the things that i see you as a leader now is that you approach leadership the same way you approach sales is that leadership isn't about what we're doing it's what about what about it's about what you're thinking when we're trying to do something together and that's a it's a dramatic, it sounds like a subtle difference, but it's a huge thing. 
Well, I appreciate that. I don't know if my team would always agree with you, but they, you know, it, it really has to be sometimes, I mean, get this, sometimes the best solution is uh, to do for the customer is for, for us to do nothing. In other words, that it's, it's not us at all. And, and the, the right thing to do is to walk through that with the customer as early in the process as you can. We're just not the right fit, right? And I think if you're willing to do that more times than not, you're going to have more opportunities than you can handle. That, yeah, that's a huge way to build credibility is yeah. to, um, because so few people do that. I saw some research that said, uh, I think it was done by Gartner, that uh, B2B buyers said that they felt that sellers, 3% of B2B buyers felt that they had a seller that they considered a trusted partner. Three flipping percent. 86%, that's, right? 86% said sellers don't even understand my business. That's, that's criminal right uh because i i get i get paid really well um i hope our salespeople and and you know our our commercial team feels that they get paid well the fact is that that's coming from our customers right they're funding our our livelihood and if we're not taking the time to it, it, there's no way I can be an expert in the customer's business. Um, I, there's just no way. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, first of all, I'm not smart enough. But second of all, I'm not living it all day long. But there is a huge opportunity to understand uh, what they're trying to do as it pertains to their relationship with you. Yeah. And. And if we're not, I, I think that's just disrespectful. If you're not taking the time to invest in getting that knowledge on board. And so, you know, how do you do that? There's, there's, um, I've, I've talked to you in the past about this, you know, I call them listening posts. We have, a, a, an exceptional customer service manager at, at MedTorque and one of her tasks is to keep pounding on our uh, engineering team quality and, and uh, you know, MPI, the, the product development guys, uh, our sales team, anybody in the commercial organization, anybody that's interfacing with the customer, keep pounding on them for what, what are you hearing? What are the customers saying? Whether it's in emails, whether it's, you know, customer scorecards that we receive, um, whether it's in conversations, you know, Zoom calls, phone calls, in person, whatever, RFQ responses. And she gathers that each week for uh, us to, and, and, and keeps, you know, we keep a running database where we can just, uh, myself, VP of commercial, uh, anybody really in the organization can keep looking at those and seeing what are the trends, what, what are those gaps, what are those nuggets that might be available for us uh, to really listen to 
and then build into our strategy. Yeah. Did you ever find an insight that resulted in a high value, a brilliant new idea for a new product or a product enhancement or a feature that really cost very little to produce? So it was huge value to the customer, yeah. tiny, tiny cost to produce. In one of the feedbacks we got, the a very high level uh, person at the customer their, their comment was, yeah, so, so a trend right now in uh, machining instruments, you know, surgical instruments for orthopedic and, and spine, that's what we do, metal machining, tight tolerance, really high precision, tight tolerance is really the, um, uh, the push right now. And this person uh, said to uh, one, of our, one of our folks, you know, there, there are companies out there like yourself that are really trying to uh, get on top of understanding tight tolerance and precision machining. And I, I see everybody, you know, adding new equipment, in our case, Swiss lathes. But what I, what I think everybody's missing is how are you going to measure it? What's, you know, what's going on uh, with the, the metallurgy, if you will. And what that uh, triggered in us was, you know, let's have a conversation internally first about, about that and what, what was our strategy and we found it was lacking and that, uh, we needed another piece of equipment. We needed to acquire a very specialized piece of equipment to, to do some uh, laser, basically laser uh, measurements. And we had a conversation with the customer about it, uh, about what, you know, what we thought uh, we would need to, to keep pace with them. It got huge, huge feedback. Uh, huge um, brownie points, I'll say. And, you know, it's a $100,000 investment, but uh, which for a company our size is not pocket change, but it just pays it pays off with uh, when you look at our, our pipeline of new opportunities right now. You know, that... and we would have missed it, Mark. Yeah. I, we would have, we would have been late to the game, I think. Brilliant. So, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm hearing from many places and you see articles over and over that workers are burned out. Uh, they hate their jobs and we're about to have a, uh, a mass exodus or a, a quitting wave. Yeah. Uh, a, is that something you're worried about? And B, can you comment on Mark Boundy's hypothesis that if you have organized your company around really understanding and serving the customer, that it actually makes people feel much better about their jobs. They, people who understand what they're doing for their customer love their jobs a lot more than people who uh, work for a for-process company. Yeah. Yeah, it is something that I worry about, Mark, um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I mean, you, you know, uh, I, I think 
I take it personal, right? When when good people leave, uh, it means that we're doing something wrong as an organization. Um, and and so I do think about that. We've had higher turnover since the first of the year than we've had in the seven or eight years that I've been at MedTorque. And I so I think there's just a lot of um, introspection going on as we do exit interviews with employees it's it's burnout it's also there's so much opportunity out there right now that you know people are thinking hey i it's almost like i survived the last year i sure can survive a job change you know and and there's some of that so we celebrate uh, some of it, you know, you hate losing a good engineer, you hate losing a good, uh, a good machinist, but if they're going because they're, they think their opportunity to grow uh, is going to, you know, they're going to have a better opportunity for what, what they're looking for in personal growth somewhere else. We celebrate that and, and uh, you know, we're, we're grateful that we had the opportunity to help develop that person. Um, but it still is an issue. Uh, it's also an issue in that, frankly, when's the last time you heard somebody wake up in the morning and say, hey, I think I want to become a CNC machinist. Um, you know, that's just not what young people are doing. So it's already a small, uh, small job pool. However, to your point, I do think um, if, if and I'll just talk about us. I don't. I don't want to talk about how their people run their operation. It's hard to run run companies. But in our case, you know, we have uh, five core principles, and and at the top it says engaged employees, and all employees have an obligation to understand our who, our why, and our where. And what that means simply is, you know, who we are, why we're here. And where we're going and you know who we are is we manufacture surgical instruments for orthopedic and spine you know why we're here it's it's to provide better patient outcomes um as simple as that and where we're going is you know we're going to continue to grow by um expanding the number of customers that we're fortunate enough to do business with and to go deeper with those customers that have that best kind of fit with us, that best profile, if you will. And our second, our second principle is customer driven. Everything we do is driven by our passion to support our customers. So right there, if you've got engaged employees who understand why they're coming into work every day and what, what it is the company's trying to achieve, and that it's, you know, everything is, is this passion to support customers. We should never lose anybody. We should, uh, you started it at the beginning of, uh, I chuckled in your intro when you said, you, you know, uh, everybody in the organization should understand the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really slaughter how, what you said, but, uh, you know, show them the door. If they don't, show them the door. Um, show so, them the was, yeah, show them the customer or show them the door, yeah. yeah that's right, right. So um, I might steal that, by the way. But I think what um, what's key here is that the voluntary turnover then should be minimal, and uh, because you've got 
you know, you've done their done your job right up front in selecting and hiring, and then you've connected that person uh, and and make them feel that the you know their worth and the value that they bring is in providing value to to supporting our customers. We, it's clear to me that we didn't um, do as good a job of that in the last 18 months that we were so focused. I, me personally, I was so focused on trying to navigate an organization through COVID and just trying to understand, you know, all the, uh, regulatory things and uh and frankly what's the right thing to do for the you know we always started it from the perspective of what's the right thing to do for the employee and then we'll figure out how we can make that happen through all the regulatory and legal loopholes that we've got right um and apparently apparently somewhere along the line we you know we weren't talking enough about uh, how how they're connected. So I've I've had some higher turnover. I'm embarrassed to admit than we've ever had. You know, Steve, um, your humility jumps through the screen, jumps through the sound, and um, that's something that has always impressed me about you and the way you lead organizations um, with a combination of humility, but a real focus on what truly is important. And and um, I, I think it's really refreshing. You, do you, you know, I, do you have a, another story, if you will, of when you've been able to get somebody from what in other companies is kind of the bowels of the ship? who doesn't normally touch the customer, but they came up with a great idea for the customer because you had that every, that access to deep customer insights that everybody could look at. Um, I, I am virtually certain that you've got one of those because I've, I've seen how you engage your design engineers and people who norm, normally wouldn't uh, touch a customer in, in your kind of business. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> So I don't know who normally touches customers. We, we take a customer focused team approach. Um, and, and really it's a cross-functional, what, what, what it starts with is I want experts talking to experts, subject matter experts talking to subject matter experts. In other words, if, if your salesperson is the only person having that interface with the customers, quality and regulatory team, the customer's design team, the customer's, uh, you know, s- supply fulfillment, purchasing team, um, you're missing opportunities. And so we want uh, in, in project review stages, we want uh, our quality and regulatory team at the table um, along with our process engineers, our design engineers. Uh, that gives everybody uh, the opportunity to have uh, input. And frankly, it just makes it for a smoother onboarding process once that project is, in our case, where if it's a contract manufacturing engagement, 
when that project gets turned over to us to to begin manufacturing, you know, we've just had uh, a more robust review of everything. But but recently, um, I in an all hands meeting was talking about. Um, so our turnover and our inability to ramp up, I let, you know, we, through, through COVID um, and through attrition, retirements and things, I wasn't real fast to replace people uh, during our slower times. And then as we saw business picking up and what would normally be 30 days to 45 days to, to fill positions, in some cases is turned into 90 days and longer for special skills. And what that's done, Mark, is back us up um, where um, we, we've got a situation where we're late on some orders. And so in an all hands meeting, I'm, I'm walking through this with our, uh, with our employees and just talking about you know, the need for speed, if you will, and and we've got to pick up the pace and look for those opportunities where, you know, you've got in a, any manufacturing process, you've got just tons of waste where parts sit waiting for the next operation and, you know, let's stay on top of that stuff. None of it, sorry for the phone ringing, none of it can be at the expense of you know, quality and process. After the meeting, um, one of our machinists came up and said, and he's been with us a year now, I guess. And he said, you know, one of the things that really bugs me is when I'm changing over a machine, when I'm, you know, tearing down and setting up, um, and I'll just make this brief. Basically, his issue was he spends too much time looking for, uh, the the tools required for the changeover and and he was aware of uh, a piece of equipment uh, called tool setters that just help a more help uh, set up our machine faster. Everything is more precisely aligned the first time, and um, you know he he never felt like it was important enough to, to kind of bring that improvement to the forefront uh, because he didn't see, you know, that as being a, a drive for us until I talked about it in the all hands meeting. Well, you know, we immediately have gone out and begun to investigate what those costs and how do they, uh, you know, how can we apply it in our operations and, um, that will deliver, uh, to, you know, a result to the customer, right? You don't do it because it makes our job easier. You do it because it makes us better at what we're doing, shortens our lead times, hopefully reduces our, our late orders, which is a customer outcome, right? You know, I, um, I see so many people, so many leaders optimizing internally or optimizing for what they think is their internal processes rather than optimize for the customer outcome. And sometimes they overlap, many times they overlap, but you better 
when you're when you're allocating resources and, and spending management time for all these changes, um, I think you're probably well served to prioritize uh, the ones that really focus on improving your customer's life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your best outcomes are going to be when when they when they overlap, right? When they serve uh, the business. I mean, we don't do things uh, to please the customer at the long-term detriment of the company, of course, right? That yeah. the customer doesn't want you to do that because you're not going to be in business. Um, so you want some overlap uh, for sure. But I, I think, you know, the passion has to be that we're going to keep talking about everything that we do from the customer perspective, the customer outcome. And, and you do that not because you want to be known as the nice guy or in the, in the example of Bell Labs that I gave you. You know, it was kind of cool to be thought of as uh, the go-to guy in, in that uh, floor, you know, the third floor of, of that building where every engineer's working on interconnect says, well, I'm just going to call Sunberg. You know, might not be a Gore solution, but I'm going to call Sunberg. He'll he'll get us, you know, started. He'll get us directed. Yeah, that's an ego thing for sure. But long term, it served it served the company very well because the customer, you know, uh, whether it's at a personal level or at an enterprise level, MedTorc has credibility with the customer. Uh, we're going to see those opportunities and, and, you know, we'll be able to, we'll be able to eat tomorrow because of the investments that we're making today and understanding what they're doing. Yeah. What, what you're talking about. I, I drew a graph in my book and I, I pull it out every once in a while. I call it the time value of selling value in yeah. your, in your customers, in your customer's world, as they're going through their design or their purchase process, they're more curious and they're more open to change and they are more open to understanding additional outcomes that they could achieve early on. Correct. And that's the time when you need to be there. And, and sales managers always say, well, get in early in the design process. Well, some sales managers do. Some people say, you know, I want you only chasing stuff that's going to close in the next 90 days. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, which I think is a mistake, especially in your world. But, um, you want to be involved in early and you actualize that you, you told you, you kind of had the policies and, and the actions, the behaviors that it took to get involved early. But that's the time when you can impact the design. That's the time when you can impact the customer solution image. And towards the end, that's when the customers starts talking about prices and discounts. And that's the time when where you start building value. Um, it's too late because now you seem like a cheesy salesperson trying to sell value. Um, you, you know what, Mark, actually what my experience is, and, and this is isolated to our industry perhaps, but um, first of all, let me echo, yes, getting in early, that's your time to listen, right? Listen, 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 um, and, and then explore explore solutions and alternative solutions. So absolutely. But when you talk about price in our, in, in my experience with our, with our best customers, our, our, you know, the customers that 
we're behaving with and they're behaving in the way that I see as most ideal. Price comes up two or three years later as an issue when they're now trying to, uh, you know, it's now in sustaining mode and they've, the, the people that are responsible for sustaining the way they're incentivized is to show cost downs and savings and things like that. So that's where those discussions really happen. Yes, price is important, cost is important upfront, but man, is it down the list if, if you're doing everything else. Um, that does not mean, that does not mean that you've got a license to gouge because you know the customers aren't stupid. They've, <laughs> they've got an idea of what things are gonna cost when they're laying things out. They've got business cases to, um, you know, to operate to, but that's part of your exploration up front is understanding what is the, uh, what is the business case that they're, you know, the model that they're working to and how you're going to kind of fit in that place. Yeah. But price is not something that, um, I, I don't mean to make it sound like it's not important. I don't mean to make it sound like we never lose a piece of business on price. We do, of course. Um, but that's usually when it's come in as an RFQ and not as something where we've been involved right from the beginning. Where you've been able to add value. Yeah. And, yeah. and the customer sees the value. You bet. Yeah. yeah. Steve, uh, anything else that I forgot to say that you've been thinking that you want to uh, get no. out there? No, I, I just, I could talk about kind of stuff and and honestly uh wish i i talked about it more internally <laughs> but uh i appreciate the form that you've created mark and what you're trying to to do i enjoy listening to your podcast i enjoy the you know the very eclectic uh list of guests that you have on um lots of different perspectives so i'm uh i'm getting a fun list worked up uh and i'm looking forward to uh sharing this with everybody and um putting you on the pantheon of of great guests so steve thank you very much my pleasure man have a great rest of the week thanks and uh thanks everybody for joining us on the value clarity podcast where we remind you that value only exists in your customer's mind which means that sales, marketing, and business is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.